continuing our series. This is the last of the six-part series. Now, I realize that I'm known sometimes to have eight parts to a six-part series or six parts to a four-part series, but I, I promise we're not continuing this series next week. But in looking at this, this call to renewal, to renew something, as we said the very first week, means you had to have had it. So the renewal is for followers, but in the midst of this renewal is the call for those who have not followed Christ to join in. And we've looked at different aspects of this throughout each week. And I don't know about you, but this Psalm 51 has just come alive in a new way for me in the study of this. Someone commented to me this week that said, man, after being in this for five weeks, I, I kind of know this Psalm now. <laughs> I hope that's true for all of us. And what we're looking at this morning specifically in the call to renewal is to understand that the results of true renewal will be a transformation and service. To be transformed so we will serve. Now transformation is an interesting phenomenon. We study about it in school and biology and the thing of the, the caterpillar turning into the butterfly and all kinds of other places where there's a transformation that takes place. There are television shows, whether it comes to personal care, getting in shape, weight loss, haircuts, or fixing up a house that is renewing and bringing back to life. But we're looking at a more interesting transformation. If you have your Bibles or your Bible on your device, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm 51. I want to read beginning at verse 12 through verse 17. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. It was my freshman year in high school, and a transformation took place. I entered my freshman year in the first couple months of that year, and I was five feet, five inches tall. About there. And something happened. I started growing 
and I got really awkward. None of you knew me then, so let's just say I wasn't awkward before that. And somewhere from mid-October until mid-March or April, I grew six inches. My mom said that during that time, she would take me to a store, buy pants, and by the time we got home, I had outgrown them. (laughs) I don't think that was quite true, but one example was my brother got married that year. And his wedding was the first week of January, and I was to stand up there, which was a real risk for everybody concerned at that stage in my life. So I had to get fitted for a tux. And I got fitted for the tux in the middle of November. And six weeks later, when the wedding happened, I had grown two inches. And the tux didn't fit. The sleeves were about like this shirt rolled up. Only that's where the coat stopped. The coat was snug and you're supposed to button a tux. So I buttoned it and the button popped off. So 10 minutes before the ceremony... Since she had nothing else to do, my mom was sewing on a button on this tux. And things continued to happen. At the end of my freshman year, I walked out of school at a little over 5 feet 11 inches and had a little more growth after that. But there was a transformation took place and some of what I noticed was athletically in the midst of that, I was bad. I was just so awkward. I would start to go here and sometimes I went here because stuff just didn't go where it was supposed to and it was longer than I was used to and my feet were bigger than they had ever been and on and on it goes. And the love of my life at that point was basketball. I mean, I ate, drank, and slept basketball. I shot till I was made to come inside. Winter, spring, summer, fall, didn't matter. On one occasion in the midst of a big ice storm, I put on my ice skates and went out in the driveway to shoot free throws because I discovered I couldn't skate so I couldn't do jump shots in ice skates. But that's how much that meant to me. And I couldn't do it the way I could a few months earlier. As a result, I got cut from the team. Didn't make it. But I loved the sport so much, I volunteered to be a manager for the team because then I still got to go to practice and be around it and keep learning and I was a terrible manager because whenever I wasn't specifically instructed to do something, I was at a side basket shooting. So whenever the coach needed the manager, he was constantly yelling my name. My name got called more than the star player's name, but not for a good reason. By the end of the season, the coach came to me and said, I think I made a mistake in cutting you. I didn't realize what was going on. He said, you have transformed throughout this year. That excited me. 
So I kept working and continued to play in years after that. But the interesting thing is, as excited as I was in that moment for that transformation and the recognition of the coach is nothing compared to the transformation of a life changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. To be transformed, renewed, restored is what we're after. And seeking that with all our heart, soul, and mind should be what we are about. Now, I want to make sure I explain a couple of words to you before we go on. In verse 16 and 17, a couple of words that stand out because we don't use them a lot. One is the word contrite. And contrite simply means to be humble and repentant. And in this case, before God. Humble and repentant before God. But if you want to get to a word picture, it means to be crushed by our sense of guilt and sinfulness. Or... To give the farming analogy, it is as in the crushing of a kernel of wheat. Because it must be crushed to be used and to become valuable. Without the crushing, it is not near as valuable and not near as useful. This week, I just sat back a few times stunned thinking through that for what that means for us to be crushed, not in destruction, but in renewal. To be crushed, not to put us away, but to bring us to life. Because when we allow God to do that to us, when we come to him with a contrite, repentant, humble heart, he then makes us into something transformed that's almost unrecognizable. A contrite heart. And when you look at this passage, <laughs> it says... That this is the sacrifices of God, verse 17, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. That God is desiring this from us. The second word is the word sacrifice. We use that word, but I'm not sure we understand that word. The word sacrifice in this case means a slaughter of what once was. And they understood it in the Jewish culture at that time because of the animal sacrifices. The animal would be slaughtered from what it once was to now being this sacrifice in place of. And you see then after Christ's death and resurrection, they understood the word sacrifice much differently. And from then on and for us now, we can only use the word sacrifice in light of Jesus' sacrifice, his death and resurrection. 
The transformation is not in the crushing. The transformation is not in the slaughter. It is in him resurrecting, restoring, and renewing us to what he created us to be. Because as we said last week, all of us have been forgiven. God has offered his forgiveness to all. On the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Including all. We have to accept it. We looked at this last week. But the same thing is true here. When it comes to the sacrifice, we must surrender ourselves to God so that the sacrifice can take place. But the point of it is not our crushing. The point of it is not the destruction. The point is the transformation. For you see, if someone tells me I've come to faith in Christ. I've accepted Christ as my Savior. I'm a follower of Christ, but there has been no transformation. Something's not right. We're changed. Will we look different? Not quite often, at least our expression will be, and our actions certainly will be, but when we look in the mirror, it probably looks much the same. So we often misunderstand this thing of a transformation. It's a transformation of heart, spirit, mind, which means our action or our service. To be transformed and transformed to serve. So let's look at this. Transformation requires sacrifice. That slaughter of what once was through the vision of Christ's sacrifice, we're to do the same. Verses 16 and 17 repeat that need for a sacrifice. And this must be a total surrender with emphasis on total. A complete surrender, not partial. I think it's a contradiction of terms to use the phrase partial surrender. I know it is spiritually. Because partial surrender is not surrender, it's really a negotiation. If I try to partially surrender my life to Christ, what I'm really doing is saying, Lord, I'll give you this if you let me keep this. Been there, done that, right? <laughs> All of us. Maybe you're still doing it. That's not surrender, that's negotiation. And the scripture does not say that the sacrifices of God are a partially surrendered, a partially broken spirit. It says a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. That is a crushing and slaughter of what once was, but so that we can be transformed into what he has for us and who he's called us and created us to be. A total surrender. And this sacrifice or surrender is a sacrifice and surrender of, are you ready? Of control. I bought a book a number of years ago just for the title. I have never read the book. The title was a book in itself. The book was titled, Help, I Married to a Control Freak. And I wouldn't let Jody read it either. 
See, to surrender control is what we're most afraid of. We're not afraid so much of the habits and the practices as what they represent. Because that means in surrendering, I'm giving God control. One of the greatest and worst inventions in all of mankind is the remote control for the TV. It's awesome. When I was a kid, I was the remote control because I was the youngest in the family. Get up, change the channel. Get up, move the antenna. Some of you are going, antenna, I don't know what that is. You make me feel old. But the remote control is awesome and terrible. Right? Because the volume and selection is totally dependent on who has control of the remote control. I've heard of families where to keep control, individuals have hidden the remote control, especially if they got up to leave the room temporarily. I don't personally know anybody that's ever done that, but I've heard about it. We could go a long time right there. But I value my position and everything else, so I won't. <laughs> you see, this surrender of control involves your will versus God's will for your life. And that's the hard part. The problem and the reason we try to partially surrender is we want to keep some control because we really don't trust God with all control. Oh, no, that's not true. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> you're afraid he's going to take away something you want. You're afraid he's going to ask you to do something you don't want to do. And many of us have had those specific fears. For me growing up, it was I didn't want to surrender because I was sure God was going to call me to be a missionary to the pygmies. Evidently, I grew up with a bias against pygmies. I don't know. But that was my huge fear. We don't want to give up control. But you see, transformation requiring sacrifice cannot happen unless we sacrifice, surrender, control. On the good side of this is the service. Because you see, renewal results in transformation, which results in service. And service should spring from joy, not obligation. It should spring from love, not begrudgingly. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will, in verse 13. Service should spring from joy. Joy-filled service changes lives. Joy-filled service will guarantee to change lives, yours and others. And it starts with ours. And when we serve joyfully, it is noticed. 
and impactful. And here's another fact about joy-filled service. Joy-filled service endures. All other types of service fade away. The kind that's done out of obligation, the kind that is done in negotiation, the kind that is done out of force, never lasts. Because when the force stops, so does the service. When the obligation stops, so does the service. But joy-filled service continues. We don't always recognize joy-filled service. Some of the most joy-filled service in ministry is not what happens up front, but in the kind of unseen or only a few people see. The stuff that others do so that others can serve or worship. So that there can be changes in people's lives. And when it is done joyfully, it changes lives. And it will always change the one serving, first of all, and most of all. But to get there requires the transformation. We back up to that again. And you see, transformation is, re, is preceded by brokenness. That contrite heart, that sacrifice, verse 16 and 17, keep repeating. Transformation preceded by brokenness. And the difficulty and the scary part of this is, it is rarely pain-free. Athletics Coaches love to use the phrase, no pain, no gain. You got to push through some of that stuff. I'm about to find that out in a whole different way this week, Lord willing. Because on Thursday morning, third time hopefully is a charm to get this hip replaced. So you can pray for that Thursday morning. I have not been guaranteed that I will be pain free when I wake up. But you know what? I'm not pain-free now. Only this pain will be moving me toward a gain. When I was still participating, especially high school and college sports, the pain of practice was not enjoyable. Never once did I come out of a really hard practice and say, that was awesome! But what I began to realize is those stacked upon each other created results and transformation in games. And the harder I worked in practice, the easier the game got. But you know what? The practice was still painful. Sacrifice comes before transformation, which means before transformation, there is likely to be some pain, but it is worth it. So where do we come down on this whole thing of service? We have to understand that not only does service spring out of joy, but service is best when it is done humbly. The humble servant. 
That doesn't mean there's a lack of strength. It means there is great strength because they're able to serve joyfully and humbly at the same time. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. God loves a humble, joy-filled servant. Seeking what will help others. Seeking what God desires. And every time somebody serves humbly, they are serving lovingly. Because humble service is loving service. You can tell, right? At a retail establishment, a store, a, a, a restaurant, whatever it may be, in church, wherever, when someone serves you and they really desire to serve, not just check the time off or get you out of there, you can tell the difference. Chick-fil-A became famous because they trained their workers to say a two-word phrase. Whenever you ordered, whenever they served you, if you made any reference back to them, they always say, my pleasure. Now, there are a few of them I don't believe. <laughs> it's still nice to hear. But what I've just realized is most of them, I believe them. You say, well, they've just been trained. That's some great training. What if we did that in serving Christ, in serving others? If we really looked at it as this is my pleasure. I've told the story. I won't tell the whole story again. But when I was first in ministry and serving, uh, Dave Ingbrecht, who was our speaker for the Ignite services back in March, serving under him. And in ministry, there's sometimes you just got to do stuff because it needs to be done. It doesn't matter if it's in your job description or not. It, it needs to be done, so you do it. And I was early in this process, and I wasn't enjoying some of those moments. And Dave had a really irritating habit of whenever he could sense, which means I was being obvious about my displeasure, he would always smile. And he did it. If he wouldn't have smiled, it wouldn't have been so bad. But he would always smile and say, heart of a servant, heart of a servant. To this day, I hate that phrase. But it's true. You see, that's that humble, loving service and to serve my heavenly father who did everything, created me, died for my salvation, has forgiven me and called me to follow him. How can I not be joyful and humble in serving him? I have to ask you, have you surrendered yourself totally? Not partially, but I mean really handed him all the keys. Not kept your favorite one back or for the junk drawer or the shed or the closet. 
but actually given all of it to him. Total surrender. Or are you still trying to negotiate that partial surrender? Let me ask you this morning, how's your service? First, are you serving? And secondly, if you are, are you doing it humbly? Or just out of obligation? Are you doing it joyfully? Or with gritted teeth, begrudgingly? See, a transformation requiring my sacrifice, my being broken, quashed, so that I can then be used for what he desires, requires my surrender. And that should produce my joyful, humble service. But you have to start with your surrender. Your surrender of control from your will to his. Not asking God to bless your plans, but seeking his plans. And let me tell you from years of experience, you have to keep doing that because there's new plans. You have to keep doing that because there's new phases of life. You have to keep doing that because there are new joys and new challenges. Where are you in your surrender this morning? I'm going to ask you to stand. Bow your heads without looking around at others, but just checking in your own heart and mind, where are you at in this process? Have you surrendered? Everything that you know to surrender. You don't have to surrender the unknown because you really can't do that. But to surrender what you know. And if this morning that realization is you've been really negotiating, trying to do it partially instead of completely. You've been trying to hold on to some control. But this is the morning you're willing to say, Lord, pry my hands open. Open my heart to be willing to surrender. If that's where you are this morning, without looking around or noticing what others are doing, would you just raise your hand up and say, yeah, Lord, I just give you everything today. Just hold it there for a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So many of you. You can put your hands down. What about serving? Maybe you've really surrendered, but you've recognized this morning you either haven't really been serving others or you've not been doing it anywhere near joyful or humble. And today's a day of declaration to say, okay, Lord, change my heart to joy. Change my attitude to humility. And I want to serve you Because you've transformed me. I want to serve you full of joy and humble this morning. If that's where you are this morning, would you just raise your hand? Oh, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Father, this is a phenomenal moment. As there are those who have said, I surrender.
Lord, may you guide their choice, not just in this instant, not just with a raised hand, but guide their choice as their feet leave here. Guide their choice in their home and at work and in their neighborhood and with their families. Lord, I pray for those who believe they've made the sacrifice, the surrender, but realize, man, my service is not joyful. My service is not humble. I'm looking for recognition. Oh, Lord, may you draw them to you. And as the psalmist said, give us the joy of your salvation. Lord, in this moment, in this day, in this place, may those who've indicated that desire, as they move from this place with each step, may they surrender everything. May they give you control of all of it. And may they begin to serve so full of joy without seeking recognition that others are changed just by their service. Oh Lord, guide us to fulfill that promise. In Jesus' name, amen.